Okay. Hey, it's great to be here with you. Um, uh, my name is Pastor Jonathan, and my family and I um, helped to launch a church about almost two years ago. It'll be two years at the end of September. And so we meet in, we're in Highlands Ranch, we meet in a high school as well. So it's kind of fun to be here in high school. It's a little bit different room than what we meet in, but, um, but we're there. So we, uh, anyway, you're, I met Pastor Doug um, a couple of years ago through Converge, which is our network of churches and everything. And so um, he was very encouraging as he also planted Orchard Church and, uh, and over time decided that he wanted to support us um, and that you guys wanted to support us, actually. So we're just very thankful that you um, are smart enough to support a church plant. <laughs> no, you, no it's, it really is incredible. It's a huge encouragement to us. So we're very thankful to you. I bring just a, a, a big thank you from Ignite Church and our, our staff and our elders and all that. We just are so appreciative of you. Church plants, things can be a little rocky at first, in the first couple of years. And so it's so important and so encouraging to have churches like um, Orchard Church and pastors like Pastor Doug behind us as we get started gives us that wind in our sails, right? And that confidence that God's gonna do something. And he is, but, but in the days when we're, you know, we're maybe not as sure, it's an encouragement to have you guys here. So thank you. And it's great to be here with you. My family was able to come with me, or most of them. Uh, my oldest daughter's in college, and uh, she's actually gonna be a junior, and she stayed in Omaha this summer um, to work and to make some money, which, you know, is great as a parent. Yeah, I love that she is taking some responsibility, you know, Anybody want your, your, your kids to take some responsibility? Yeah, amen. And they do, they do. Listen, it took a couple years, but it's happening. And so, um, so I'm thankful for that, but we sure do miss her, having her at home. You know, that's, that's the other side of it, kids. You know, when your parents are trying to push you out of the nest, they miss you too. I mean, it's true. I didn't let my kids know that, but I tell them, you know, I tell her now. And I said, I'll give you 18 good years. That's all you got out of me, and you need to go. All right, um, hey, uh, just so thankful to be here with you and uh, excited about what God is going to speak to us today. We're going to look at um, one of the names for God. In the Old Testament, there are many names for God that are given. Now, it's one God that we worship and serve, right? One God, the triune God, but he reveals himself and he has revealed himself to people in different ways. And so one of those ways is through different names. And, uh, and so he's, um, he's done that. Now, I just remembered, I need to give a little housekeeping note. It's a little warm in here, right? Okay, so, so everybody knows that. The, the staff knows it. They're trying to get some air moving, get some fans blowing. You know, the first service, I had them up, jumping around, everything. It just got really hot in here. So, um, 
So it's going to be hotter. It's going to be hotter this service because there's more of you. So um, no, really, they're, they're trying to get, get some air moving. So we apologize for that. But um, you'll be so mesmerized by this sermon, you won't even think about the heat. And I can guarantee it. Okay. So anyway, back to the names of God and the way he's revealed himself. You know, he has, um, he teaches us who he is um, by these names and through these names. You know, he interacted with people through thousands of years of human history. And so because he's done that, we have these, we have these, um, uh, these interactions recorded for, recorded for us in the scriptures. And so we can look at them and see how God has moved and how he has interacted with humanity. And then we learn about him. One of the biggest problems I think that I have in my life and that I see in the lives of others is misconceptions about God, who he is and what he's all about. So many people have misconceptions and therefore they draw the wrong conclusions about God. And so we want to recenter on that. And so this, this um, sermon today is about one of those names for God and the name is Jehovah. Jehovah. Um, and so before I get started and, and as we continue on, I'd like to say a word of prayer if I could. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for revealing who you are to the human race. You're not distant, you're not far off from us, but you're right here with us. And so you show us who you are. And so Father, I pray that you'd help us as your people, as those who are seeking after you, to understand you better. And by doing so, have a better, a more intimate, and deeper relationship with you. God, we know that that is, is really what life's about. So help us with that today. Um, connect us in with who you are and with your heart. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So our, kind of our key verse, and we'll be looking at a couple different passages of Scripture where we see this name Jehovah used. And so we'll, we'll look at a couple of different texts. One of them, though, in kind of the key verse is out of Exodus, and it's Exodus 33, and I just want to read it real quick. If you, if you turn in your Bible, we'll, we'll look at, a, you know, kind of three big chunks of Scripture. But Exodus 33, um, God is speaking with Moses, and this is what he says, the Lord, and that, that title, L-O-R-D, in all capitals, at least in the NIV, you know, the, the New International Version, the really, the, the really inspired version of the Bible, the NIV, sorry, that's a pastor joke, I know it doesn't. Anyway, the, the NIV has that word LORD in all caps. That's the word Jehovah, all right? So when you're reading it, you can, you can see that there. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he's speaking to Moses, and we'll unpack that a little bit more. But this name Jehovah, just a little history on it. Um, you know, the, the Hebrew language was first spoken. It was an oral tradition, an oral language. It wasn't written down for, for a long time. And finally, uh, it began to be written down. And Moses really was probably the first one who developed the Hebrew language. And he certainly wrote um, and recorded the first five books of the Bible for us, right? The Pentateuch. Um, he, re he wrote those and recorded the, the beginning of human history, the origins, and then on um, through uh, much of the history um, of, the, of the nation of Israel. So that's when it began to really be written down and recorded. And so uh, the name for God, though, is as the Jews came out of exile in Egypt, under Moses, and the law was given, they became very aware of the reverence or, or the holiness of God, and they wanted to revere him and, and worship him, and so they would not even speak his divine name, which was Yahweh. They wouldn't say it, and, and so um, it was, they had different ways of saying it, and so through time, though, um, things developed with the Hebrew language. So initially, when it began written, when it became written down, it was written down in consonants with no vowels. You remember from your English class what consonants and vowels are, right? So, so no vowels, just consonants. Kind of interesting. Then as, as time went on, vowels or vowel points were added. 
But this, these names for God, things kind of changed with the Hebrew people. And so there was a name that they began to say um, when, so they had Yahweh, the name with just consonants, no vowels. And then they had a name as, as time progressed. It was the name Adonai. And Adonai had vowels in it, okay? And so you have, are you guys tracking with me? I know this is a little technical. I heard this was a very smart church though, so I'm not worried about it. Okay, so Adonai, here you go. You have the vowels, or excuse me, the consonants in Yahweh. And then Adonai is, is one of the names for God that they could say, okay? But it had vowels in it. And so around 1500, one of the, the um, rabbis came up with the idea of putting the, the vowels from Adonai with the consonants of Yahweh. And that's where we get the name Jehovah. And so Jehovah, and it's translated that way in English, but Jehovah is, is the name for God we're looking at today. You know, it's so, as I said, it's so important that we understand who God is. And this name, Jehovah, this is what it really means. The, the essence of it is this, the unchangeable, always present, intimate God. The unchangeable, not just unchanging, but unchangeable, always present, intimate God. If you want to turn, if you're turning your Bible or you want to follow along on the screen, um, the first section that we want to look at this morning where we unpack this, this name, and it's the first part of the meaning, is Psalm 103. And this is, if you're taking notes in your outline, this is the first um, blank to fill in. And this is what the name Jehovah means. And an aspect of it is Jehovah's love is unchanging. Jehovah's love is unchanging. Our God is unchangeable and his love is unchanging. Psalm 103, David, King David, the second king of Israel, wrote these words. He said, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's, and again, that, that word Lord, the way it's written is Jehovah. The Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. The Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. See, because God is unchanging, if you make a commitment to God and you have a relationship with him and you put your uh, faith in Jesus, God's son, and you begin to follow him, you are affecting the lives of generations to come. You know that? You're affecting the lives of generations to come. No matter what else you do with your life, no matter what else comes of your life, if you do that, you're going to make a significant difference in the, in the face of this earth because you have put your commitment and your faith in God. And so your children are gonna see that. Whether or not it looks like they're following it all the time, they're gonna see your example. And God, who is unchanging, will stay with them. And so God's love is, is from everlasting to everlasting. One of the great examples we see of this in the Bible is from 2 Samuel. And a King David, as I mentioned, <clears throat> who was the second king, of the nation of Israel. You know, God started the nation of Israel with Abraham, right? His name was Abram. And God called out to him and said, come and follow me. I'm gonna lead you to a land that I'm gonna show you. And so Abram decided to trust God. He believed God. And in doing so, changed the course of history because God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm gonna make people, you're gonna have, you know, there's gonna be more people connected to you than there's sand on the seashore. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm also going to give you some land. I'm going to give you a chunk of real estate, which still is causing some conflict in the world. Kind of crazy, but I'm going to give you a chunk of real estate. And, and he did. And then God also said, I'm going to bless the world through you. I'm going to change the world through you. And so um, through Abraham, through the line and lineage of Abraham, through the people of Israel, comes Jesus, the Messiah, right? 
So God kept his promise and still is keeping his promise. But this is what he said to Abraham. And so Abraham began to follow God. And through, through the history of the Hebrew people, they um, moved into Egypt and they became enslaved in Egypt. And they were there for 400 years in slavery. And Moses, you know the story of Moses, a, a young baby boy who was born, um, who, whose parents wanted to save him, was put in a little basket of reeds in the Nile River, and one of Pharaoh's daughters found him, right? And so he was, he was privileged. He was raised in the court of Pharaoh. And so he got the opportunity <clears throat> to, be, um, to be a prince, really, right? And so here he is growing up in this position, in this place. <clears throat> and, and so he feels a little weird because he doesn't feel like he's like the rest of his people. He watches his people being persecuted. They're in slavery. And yet here he is living in wealth <laughs> and uh, with all that he could want or need. And so that caused some conflict in Moses. And as he grew... And as he became a young man, he saw the abuses towards his people. And if you know the story of Moses, one day he was out uh, watching his people work and they were being beaten and, and, you know, beat up by the taskmasters. And he saw one of his fellow Hebrew brothers being beaten and he stepped in and he killed the Egyptian taskmaster. Not really a good move. Didn't work out so well for Moses. I mean, he was trying to help but it wasn't a great move. And so he got in a little bit of trouble, right? The Pharaoh said, ah, no, that's not okay. And so Moses had to take off and he ran to the wilderness and he was there for um, at least 40 years. And he was wandering around and, and he got married, he was working, but he was disconnected from God. And I've got to wonder if Moses thought, God doesn't, does he even know who I am? Does he even remember me? He's got to be angry at me. I blew it. But God didn't forget Moses. He remembered him and, uh, and he... Um, he worked in his life. But, but as Moses, um, uh, you know, as the people of Israel continued to grow and develop, and obviously God led them out back into, um, out of Egypt and out of slavery, and they got to a land, and they moved into the land of Canaan. And they, they said, hey, we want a king. And so God allowed them to have a king, right? And Saul was the first king of Israel, and then David was the second king. And David's kingship was kind of difficult. Saul uh, was a king that, that um, lost his heart for God, and he began to rebel against God. And so... God said, I'm going to put somebody else in place of you. And that's when he anointed David. David was a pretty young man when he was anointed to be the next king. But it took years before David was actually, would actually become king. And, but, but the day came when, when David stepped into that position. And he was king of Israel. And he did something really interesting. You know, most regime changes, when there's a power shift, right, um, what happens is the new, the new power order, the new king, the new person in charge, takes care of any prodigy of the past regime power, right? Like get rid of them. That, that's typically what happens. But David did something interesting. He steps into this power position. And instead of doing that, he says to his staff, he says, are there any relatives of King Saul or, or Jonathan left? Are there any relatives left around um, alive? And so they looked around and they found this guy named Mephibosheth, <clears throat> Right? It was a young, young man, and he had been dropped, actually, when he was a child, so his legs were broken, so he was a cripple. And David said, okay, bring him to me. I want to see this Mephibosheth. He was the grandson of Saul, the son of Jonathan. And so he, he was brought to him, and Mephibosheth, as a young man, there's a regime change. His family is out of power. There's the new family in power. What's going to happen? Why does the king want to see me? He knew what happened. He knew, he knew how things went, and so he was 
he was probably terrified. He was brought before David. And David did something interesting, radical, revolutionary. He did something totally unexpected. As Mephibosheth came into his presence in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 7, this is what King David says. He says, do not be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belongs to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Jehovah's love is unchanging. David demonstrated that for us. He knew it. He got it, right? But he demonstrated it for us with Mephibosheth. He gives us this incredible example. He says, Mephibosheth, no, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to wipe you out. I'm not going to put you in exile, but I'm actually going to, um, I'm actually going to take care of you. I'm going to bring you into my house. And because of your father, Jonathan, and because of your grandfather, Saul, who at many times thought I was the enemy, but because of them and to honor their legacy, I'm going to take care of you. See, God does that for us. Do you know that, that we were known as enemies of God before we made a decision to trust in Jesus? Because we were living for ourselves. We were following our own desires. And so the scripture says we were actually enemies of God. We were, we were separated from him. But he didn't, that didn't matter. See, it didn't matter that we were in opposition to him. He loved us so much and loves the human race so much. He said, I'm going to fix that problem. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to fix that relationship. I'm going to take care of sin so that we can be connected again because I want to be in a relationship with you. And that's what King David does so beautifully for us, demonstrating God's unchanging love. And that love is real. It's powerful. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I'm sure there's somebody here that I need to speak to a little bit about God's love. You might wonder if he notices what's going on in your life. Where are you at? Does he see the things that you're dealing with and going through? Is he aware of the problems that you're facing? I want to tell you he is, and his love has not changed. You may not feel it this morning. You may be wondering. I just want to speak into your heart this morning and say, Jehovah's love doesn't change. It doesn't change based on your circumstances. It doesn't change based on what you're facing. It's real, it's powerful, and it's there. And you can count on it. You can bake your life on it. You can move into the future, no matter what you move into and no matter what problems you face, knowing that God loves you. His love is constant. He cannot stop loving you. He can't. You can stop loving other people. And so you might be tempted to think that like you, God could do the same. No, he can't. He can't stop. He's incurable. He has to love you. He loves you because he does. He loves you because of who he is. And he always will. God's love is unchanging. And we see it in David, King David's example. But God's is so much greater. So much more powerful. His love never changes. Well, the next thing that we want to look at this morning is that Jehovah is always present. So the first one is that his love is unchanging. Second one is, this, is that he's always present. He's always there. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, as I was talking about earlier with Moses, there's a, the recount, the story of Moses and what happens in his life. As I said, he, you know, he ended up in a bad position out in the wilderness and he ended up disconnected from God. I'm sure uncertain of whether or not God even cared about him or loved him at all because of what he'd done. But God's love is unchanging. And so God, Moses didn't know that, but God couldn't stop loving Moses and he had a plan for his life. He had something he wanted him to accomplish, right? And so he, he appeared to Moses. And he did it in a way that Moses couldn't miss. He couldn't think, oh, was that God? 
you know, because God appeared to him in a burning bush. And this bush burned, but it wasn't consumed. I don't know if you've ever seen a bush burn, but they typically go away. Did you know that? They typically go away. In fact, everything that I've ever seen burn typically kind of goes away, right? That's what happens when things burn. But here's a bush in the desert that's burning and it isn't consumed. And so Moses said, I need to go check this out. I haven't seen something like this before. My, that's weird. That's strange. Let me go see what this is. And so God got Moses' attention in a powerful way that he couldn't miss. And as soon as Moses was over by the bush, God said, it's me. I'm here. Take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. And I'm sure it was the last thing that Moses expected. I'm sure it's the last thing he thought ever would happen is that God would talk to him. After the way he had messed up, after the way he had killed somebody and taken his own, you know, his, by his own power and his own anger, tried to fix the problem. And in doing so, he had, he'd caused a bigger problem. He'd made things worse. I don't know if you've ever tried to fix something and just made it worse. Do you remember the home improvement show, you know, Tim the Tool Man? Anybody old enough to remember that? I love that show, man. I, I just felt like I was him. He always was messing things up, right? Trying to fix them and breaking them. You know, I think I'm good at that. But, but anyway, maybe you feel that way. Moses, I'm sure, felt that way. But God wasn't done with him. And so God appeared to Moses in the, in the burning bush. And he said, Moses, I got a job for you. I got something I want you to do. And so Moses, rightfully so, was a little nervous about advancing into the future When we make mistakes, sometimes we're a little scared to move forward. We don't have the confidence that we need to move forward. I don't know if you've ever been there. I have. Just just uncertain. Uh, God, I messed up so bad, I don't know if things can ever work again. I don't know if you can use me in the future. Are you sure that you know who you're talking to? I kind of have a history of messing things up. We can feel that way. And Moses did. And he said, God, if you want me to go and take on this mission, leading the people out of Egypt, your people who are in slavery, and you want me to get them out of there, then I need to know you're with me. And so God spoke to Moses in Exodus chapter three, verse 13 to 14. And he says this, Moses said to God, actually it was in this, Moses is talking first, sorry. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. They will ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. See, God is reflecting and revealing his always present aspect of his character and who he is. He's always there. In kind of theology, theological terms, we have a term for that. We call it omnipresent. And it's, it's part of God's character. It's one of the traits that we know God by. Omnipresent. He's always present. He's always there. You can't get away from him. You can't run from him. There's nowhere you can go to hide from him. He's everywhere. But for Moses, and for those of us who put our trust in Jesus, he's present in our lives. And Moses, to Moses, he said, I am with you, and I'm gonna be there with you, and we're gonna get through this, and I'm gonna guide you into the future that I have for you. You're going to accomplish the mission I want you to accomplish. I know that you messed up. It's okay. We're gonna make it into the future. I know you killed somebody. Listen, with my power... And my presence, if you tap into me, we're going to get the job done. And look at how God worked through Moses after that. God's presence is powerful and it's always with us. Jehovah is always present. Helen Malakote, um, there's a quote by her in in the book, Holy Sweat. 
She says this, I was regretting the past and I was fearing the future. Suddenly my Lord was speaking, said, my name is I am. He paused. I waited. He continued. When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it's hard. I'm not there. My name is not I was. When you live in the future with its problems and fears, it's hard. I'm not there. My name is not I will be. When you live with me in this moment, it's not hard. I'm here. My name is I am. Listen, guys, we have a hard time with this. We have a hard time with this. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's not you. It's the person next to you. I don't know. But, but I have, a, I have a, a sneaking suspicion we have a hard time with this. We wonder what's going on. We know that we've made mistakes. We usually feel guilty about them and beat up. And so we worry about them. What's going to happen in the future? Am I going to have to pay a price for that mistake? Is it going to ruin my future? And then, and then sometimes we, we, we think about the future and, and we think about all the things that are coming and the what ifs and we're uncertain and we just, you know, this happens to me sometimes. I know I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be above this, but sometimes I lay awake at night, not sure if I'm going to be able to sleep and I'm, I'm thinking about the future. What's going to happen? Thinking about the past. What happened before? But here's what God wants to say to you today and he says to me, Listen, the past is done, and actually I took care of it. <laughs> That's what Jesus says. I took care of the past. The future's already written. I'm there in the future. I got it covered. I want you to walk with me now. I want you to walk with me in this moment, right? Can you just trust me right now? Let, let's, the past is the past. The future will be what it will be. How about if we walk right now in this moment? And you know what happens? It's an interesting thing. If you walk with God in this moment, right now, Sunday morning, you trust God right now, you're going to make it through this moment. And if you can take to the next moment, then trust God in that moment. So you're going to make it through that moment. And if you can move to the next moment, just trust God and know that he's with you and know that he's there. You're going to make it through that moment. And you know what happens? I mean, this is a long stage. I could keep going. But do you, do you get the idea? If I just go, hey, th this moment, that I can make it to the next moment. And some, so listen, some seasons are really tough. Some seasons are really painful and hard and stressful <laughs> and, and we don't get much sleep and we're not sure what's gonna happen. We have a lot of anxiety, but listen, if you can trust God in each moment, you're gonna make it through and you're gonna find that he was with you the whole time. He walked with you, he stayed with you, he didn't leave you, right? Because this is the God we serve. He's the great I am. He's always present. He's always with us. He can't... <laughs> He can't leave us. He wouldn't leave us. It's not how he operates. It's not how he functions. We're sometimes faithless and unfaithful, but our God is not. Who he is, is the faithful God, always present, always present in your life. Can you trust him? Can you believe in him? Can you walk this moment with him? I know some of you are going through crazy stuff. It's incredibly unsettling. It's shaken maybe your faith. I want to speak to you today. I want to remind you that Jehovah God is always there. He hasn't left. He knows what's going on. And he's going to continue to walk with you through each moment, no matter what you face. Our God is always there. One of the things that, um, that we talk about and we think about in our church is that God has given us commands. And we need to know those commands. We need to follow them. Can I just tell you today that God knows the choices that you have, the options that you have. 
And I know sometimes we don't really believe that God's plan, the command that he gives, is, it really works. And I've run into people that say, yeah, the whole, listen, God, I've, I've tried that stuff. You know, you said, love your, love your neighbor. Well, my neighbor's a jerk, you know. <laughs> He's not that fun to love. And I try to love him, and guess what? It just isn't working. It's not working out. So I'm just going to move on to the, to the next neighbor, you know, and pray that he moves. Come on, we, we try this stuff, but love your enemies. And we go, God, that is absolutely the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Love your enemies? Do you know what they do when you love them? They're harder on you. They go after you with more intensity, right? God, this doesn't work. And there's so many commands that God's given, and we just, they go so against our nature that we struggle so much with them. Can I just speak to you this morning and say, yeah, God knows that they're tough. There's some weird outcomes sometimes, but can I just tell you that he knows they work? He kind of invented this place. You know, kind of made this universe. He kind of put us here. He knows a little bit about it. Maybe a little more than you do. Just a little bit. You can trust him. Know his commands. Follow him. Believe him. Their life. Do you know how many mistakes you will avoid if you follow God's commands? Do you know how much pain you will, you will avoid and you will not feel if you follow God's commands? Trust him and follow him. And then we also talk about that God has given us promises. And those promises are real and good, and God keeps his promises. He doesn't break them. In fact, he can't. He keeps his promises. And so we say, listen, let's know God's commands. Let's trust his promises. Let's walk through this life with him and say, okay, God, I'm going to move through life with you. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk with you. And those things are a comfort to us. Because the, the next point is this, that Jehovah's presence is your peace. Jehovah's presence is your peace. Jehovah's presence, his presence with you. You know, God Almighty, who's above all things, who controls all things, who runs the universe, holds it together with his, with his right hand, you know, his presence is available in your life. He makes himself available to us. He says, I'll come and live with you. So when we make a decision to trust in Jesus, God's son, the savior of the world, the Messiah, when we make a decision to trust in him, the amazing thing happens that God comes and sets up his home in our lives. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they come and dwell with us, and they live with us, and their presence is our peace. Um, there was a prayer or a blessing that God taught to Moses and Aaron. Moses, again, was the leader that led the people out of e Egypt, and Aaron was the first high priest of Israel. And God taught them a prayer or a blessing. And you may have heard it before. It's found in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 and, uh, through 26. And it says this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. Do you know the blessings of God are better than anything else this life has to offer? You can say amen there. Do you know that? The blessings of God. Listen, as I said before, we get distracted with a lot of things. We move through life and we find other things to fill us up, to make us happy. We're looking for satisfaction. We're looking for fulfillment. But the blessings of God, they beat anything. See, the blessings of God are a little more, sometimes a little more intangible, but there's stuff that, that really matters in our lives. The blessing of, of a loving relationship inside of your marriage, it's a blessing from God. It's an amazing thing to walk through life with that. The blessing of children who love God and who maybe listen to you sometimes. That's a blessing from God. Doesn't happen very often. Mark the days. 
But, you know, but it happens, right? It can happen. And so, but those are the blessings from God. His presence in our life, his power to go with us, the courage that he gives us. These are the things that sustain us in life. His, his, his peace and the joy that comes from him. All those things are the, are the things that really sustain us. They're really the things that we need deep in our lives. So Jehovah's presence is with us. The Lord, so, so the blessing that Aaron and, and Moses would pray over the people, the Lord bless you and keep you. He'll take care of you, right? Walking with you through this life. Then they go on to say, the Lord make his face to shine on you and, and be gracious to you. Do you know that we don't deserve God's blessings? Do you know that? We don't deserve them. We, we don't. I, listen, I don't know about you, but I know me. I, de- I deserve nothing from God. But he graciously pours it out on me over and over and over again without stop. He doesn't quit. He's the most ridiculously generous person being in the world, in the universe. He just keeps pouring out love. And, and he's so gracious. And he gives me a new chance every day. And, and he forgives me over and over again. He just continues to love and continues to be there and continues to be gracious with me. And then lastly, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Peace, real peace comes from God. Real peace comes from him. And we need that peace so desperately. Peace is so powerful. It's so good. You know, uh, my family and I got to go on a little family vacation. A couple of weeks ago, we went into the mountains, went to Leadville, Turquoise Lake, and then we went to Grand Lake. And man, you know, Turquoise Lake, if you haven't been there, it's just, it's one of the most peaceful places that I've ever been. It's just amazing. It's calm and quiet most of the time. Sometimes the wind blows a little bit, but it, you know, calm and quiet. The sun is, um, when the sun's out, it, it just makes the water crystal you know, blue, and it's just amazing. So good to have peace, but real peace comes from God. It's fine to get away, but real peace comes from God, and we need his peace in our lives. We need his presence there. A couple of things that, that God says about peace, or that the scriptures say about peace and about God. I'm in Galatians chapter four, verse six. Paul, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, because you are his sons, God sent his, son, his spirit the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. You know, Abba, Father is kind of an endearing term. It's, it's kind of like that, um, well, it means father. It's an Aramaic word. But, but that, that, um, that persona or the aspect of who God is, that he's our father. You need, a, you need a heavenly father in your life. You need a father who loves you and is gonna walk through life with you. And that's what God is. He loves us and he cares about us and he he watches over us, directs us, right? Corrects us when we go the wrong direction. Just like with my children, he forgives us and he restores us. He's always trying to work for our good. Abba, Father, we can know him as that and his presence is in our lives. He's always listening. Um, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, do you know the peace of God will guard your heart? So many people, um, and, and I'm probably one of them, when things don't go the way I want them to, <laughs> which happens every once in a while, when things don't go the way I want them to, and, and they're headed in the wrong direction, I can start to get agitated and upset. Yeah, and I can start to get a little anxious uh, when, when, when things aren't, because I know what's best. 
right? I know how things should work. <laughs> yeah? Anybody else? Yeah. I mean, I know how things should work. And so when they don't, I can get a little upset. And I can start to even get upset at God a little bit. God, why aren't you taking care of this? There's a problem over here. Do you see it? Can you take care of that, please? You know, and, and we can start to live that way. And if we're not careful, when it doesn't happen, we can start to get frustrated. We can start to think that God isn't aware and he doesn't know what's going on and he isn't moving to act. And then we can start to get angry and, and if we're not careful, get bitter and, get, and, and start to get hardened inside and start to believe some of the lies that, that are spoken into our heads by whatever that little voice is. Maybe I'm the only one that has a little voice, but I hear those little things like God really doesn't know what's going on. He's not there. You can't trust him. See, it doesn't work. <clears throat> See, he's not real. The same voice that spoke into the, you know, to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The lies that are there and they're out there and they're spoken into our hearts. And what we need, and what Paul says here in Galatians, is that the peace of God will guard our hearts from those things. See, when we have the peace of God, when we have his presence in our lives, man, it can be craziness all around us. The storm can be raging all around us, but we know God's with us, right? And so we can walk through the storm. We have that peace it, it transcends understanding. It's not based on our circumstances, but it's real and it's tangible and it's powerful. It's really the only peace that there is. You can have some tranquility. You know, if all your kids are in their own rooms and they're watching TV, you know, you can be quiet in the house. It can be, but real peace, the peace that's inside your soul, that comes from God. And so his peace will guard our hearts, keeps us from getting off track, keeps us from losing focus and losing direction. That's who our God is and that's what he does in our lives. You can also have peace with God. Um, Isaiah 9 verse 6 says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you've noticed, we live in a time where there's a little unrest in the world. Have you noticed that? Little unrest. You know, sometimes things seem peaceful in the world. They're not. There's always stuff bubbling, right? I've kind of learned that. But, but they can look peaceful. But the reality is right now, things don't look peaceful at all. They look crazy, out of control. It feels more that way all the time. And, and I want you to know that can be very unsettling. I'm sure some of you know that. It, it can be disheartening. It, it can make us wonder what the future holds. I just want you to know today that Jesus, who conquered all things when he died on the cross, he, he accomplished the work that God the Father had him to do. That he went to the, back to heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He sits there and he's been given control over everything. Dominion over all things. Everything has been placed under his feet. And he is now working to accomplish and to conquer all evil. Okay? And the end times will come which Pastor Doug said you're going to be talking about a little bit. And Jesus, the Savior of the world, the King of kings and the Lord of Lord, lords, he will bring peace to the world. Yeah, until then, don't expect a lot of peace. Can I just say that? We, we need to fight for it. We need to try for it. We need to work for it. But listen, there always will be unrest. Jesus will bring peace to the world. That's one of his roles. And it's one of the jobs he will accomplish. And he will do it. And so we can look to the future and trust him and know that he will bring peace, that he's going to take care of the craziness. He's going to put an end to it one day. We're also encouraged in this, in this idea of God's presence being with us, not to get caught up in the stuff of this world. It can distract us. It can steal our peace. 
It can steal um, what God wants to give us. And Hebrews 13, verse five says this, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Do you know the paycheck you get each week, which hopefully you're getting one, the paycheck you get comes from you know, a place, right? You, you know the bank account, right? You know where it comes from. But can I just tell you that it really comes from God? That God's the one who provides for you. He will never leave you and never forsake you. That's his promise. And so he says to us, don't get too attached to the things in this world. They will get you off track. They will steal your heart and they will steal the peace that I want to give you. If you're constantly worried about the stuff you have, because stuff brings worry, it takes a lot of work to take care of stuff. It takes a lot of effort. And what it can do is it can steal us away so that our focus is just on our things. And rather than having our focus on God and his presence in our lives, his power in us, we start to think about our stuff. And so be careful. Stuff's not bad. It's not evil. It's great to have stuff. I, I love getting, you know, a new, a new phone. I mean, it's just one of the little toys that I enjoy. I mean, after I've got through the frustration of figuring out how it works, and then, then I enjoy having it, right? So it's great to get stuff, but just be careful. Be careful. Guard your heart. Make sure that you're, you're, you're not focused on the things of this life. They're not really what matters. God wants to give you his peace through his presence in your life. There was a, there's a story of a little girl um, who lost a friend. And it was a neighbor, neighborhood friend and she died. She got sick and died. And the little girl went over to her friend's house and she was there and she came back. And when she got back to her home, her dad met her at the door and he said, honey, where, where did you go? What did you do? And, and she said, well, I went over to my friend's house uh, who passed away and, to comfort her mom because she lost her daughter. And, uh, and she said, dad said, well, what could you have done to comfort her mom? What, what, what could you have done to bring comfort to her? What could you have said? What could you have done? And the little girl said, well, I just, I just climbed up in her lap and cried with her. Right? I was just there with her. Listen, we all um, face difficulty in our lives. And th this life is full of that. Challenges. It's full of great times and tough times. Listen, God's presence in your life is more important than anything. This week at Ignite, we uh, had a first funeral memorial service, and it was shocking. Um, a 42-year-old husband, father, um, had a bicycling accident. He was killed almost instantly, and uh, it was just, just blew us all away. Um, obviously, it's not something you ever expect, and uh, we didn't, you know, we worked through it. And one of the things I'm so proud of is how our church worked through it. Really, um, we really shined in the middle of this. But one of the things that I saw in in the life of, and uh, just in the countenance and, and um, life of, of his wife and his two girls was the presence of God. You could see it. They would say things like, well, we just went on our first missions trip and they literally got back on Sunday and he died on Monday. And they're like, man, we got this precious time together, right? We'd never done that before. Ignite was like the first church that they ever really connected to. They ever really got involved in. And so here they got to experience that and they were just thankful for it. You know, that's where they were coming from. And you could just see that God was presence, present in their lives and that they weren't going through this alone. They weren't walking through this difficulty alone, that, that he was there. And, and the girls even, you know, just, you know, pulling up verses that, you know, where Jesus said, you, you know, you're not gonna understand what I'm doing now, but you'll understand later. And they're just resting in those things. And I thought, man, this is amazing. You know, um, we, we don't know, how long we have in this life. And, and we go through difficulties and crazy things happen. But when God's with us, when God's with you, you can navigate any moment. You can walk through any situation and have his power. 
because he's present with you. Jehovah God loves us. He cares about us. He's always present with us. He'll never leave us. Those are the promises we have in him. If you bow your heads for just a minute, if you're here this morning and you'd like me to pray for you, maybe you say, I need a little more of God's presence or I need to feel his presence. I'm struggling right now. I'm going through a difficult time and you'd like me to pray for you. Would you just lift your hand up? I'd like to pray for you. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Is there someone here this morning that doesn't have that relationship with God? You don't have Jehovah in your life. You don't know him. And so you're walking through life without him, but you want to ask him to be your savior. You want to put your trust in Jesus. Is there anybody here this morning that would like to do that? I'd like to pray with you if you would. Just lift your hand up if you'd like to put your trust in Jesus this morning and have Jehovah in your life. All right, let's pray. If you want to ask Jesus into your life, that's not a, there's no magic in a prayer, but I just want to lead you in that prayer. Um, if, you want to, if you want to ask God to come into your life, just pray this with me. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm separated from you. But here today, right now, I want to ask you to come into my life. I need you present in my life. I need your love. I need your power. Please come in and save me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God is with you. He loves you. Don't ever doubt it. Don't ever question it. When you do, just remember these words this morning. Jehovah is a good God. Pastor Doug. Hey, did you appreciate that teaching this morning? Give Jonathan a hand. Amen. You know, we have so many names of God that we read in the scriptures, we sing about them, but we don't always know the deeper meaning. So we appreciate Jonathan bringing that great message this morning and a deeper understanding of the Jehovah unchanging, ever-present Prince of Peace God that we have. What an encouragement this morning, and we're super excited for Jonathan and Ignite Church. They're just two years old. I remember when Orchard was just two years old, and you know, we're going, oh, are we going to make it? And so we've been supporting them, and it's, it's great to partner with them down in Highlands Ranch and see what God is doing to reach that community for Christ, just like what God is doing up here. And we're excited for them. Keep them in your prayers. And uh, we're excited about that. Next few weeks, we'll continue our series, Greatest Hits. Uh, I'm going to be speaking the next three weeks in a row on one of the most requested topics here at Orchard Church, and that is on the end times. We're going to be addressing some questions about the last days, the end times, the rapture of the church. I've done that at different times, and so we're going to kind of package that, call it Back to the Future. And with everything going on in the world today, with Russia and Crimea and Israel and the Palestinians, people are asking, does any of that have anything to do with the return of Christ? It has everything to do with the return of Christ. So we're going to answer some of those questions. It's going to be a lot of fun. You guys looking forward to that? So we'll be doing that for three weeks starting next Sunday. So you be sure and be here. Bring your friends. It's going to be a great time. Um, if you made a decision for Christ this morning, please let us know about that on your connection card so we can continue to pray for you. Drop that in the offering bucket in just a moment. If you're a first-time guest, thanks for being with us today. And you can uh, drop your connection card in if you fill that out so we can just send you a thank you note in the mail. Uh, thanking you for being our guest today. Was it a little, was it just me or was it a little warm in here today? Maybe just a little bit, like, you know, you walked out of a, a refrigerator into a sauna. We apologize. Um, we, we've been talking to the school system. We think that an AC unit has gone down over the weekend, and there's just nothing much we can do about it. So we've tried to get some of that cooler air in here. So appreciate you guys understanding. We'll hopefully have that fixed for, for next week and uh, 
saw a lot of fans going today, but we wanted to acknowledge that. We're going to work on that. Let's stand as we uh, just uh, respond and worship through our giving, worship through song. God bless you guys for being here today.